0: Three. Mm. Darmstadt on Air Number 13 Collaboration as Life Force Gunhildur Einersdotir in Conversation with Rodri Davis Welcome to Darmstadt On Air, the podcast of the Darmstadt Summer Course with conversations on music and experiment. My name is Silvia Freidank from the Darmstadt team and I'm happy to say a few words about the two dialogue partners of episode number 13. Gunhildur Einastotir is an Icelandic harpist based in Berlin, where she is a founding member of Ensemble Adapter. During the last years, Gunhildur has established a harp class at the Darmstadt Summer Course. She began in 2014 with a small group, and thanks to her expertise and enthusiasm, the interest has grown constantly. Before that, the harp had only been featured prominently in Darmstadt during the 1950s and 60s. For this Darmstadt on Air podcast, Gunhilde invited Rodri Davis, who is a harpist and improviser based in Swansea in South Wales. He plays harp, electric harp, live electronics, and builds wind, water, ice, dry ice, and fire harp installations. Rodri has so far released five solo albums and is also active in many groups with other musicians. Lua and Rodri have been following the work of each other for a long time. Both of them studied with the Welsh harpist Janet Williams, and it was from her that they first heard of each other. They met briefly in Darmstadt in 2018 but never had the time to chat. For many years, the two harpists have both been doing pioneering work in order to invigorate the harp repertoire with new pieces. As her PhD project, Gunhildur created HarpNotation.com, an online manual for composers on contemporary harp technique. She and Rodri both share an artistic approach that is very much based on collaboration and cooperation. They talk about choosing collaborators, about ego and trust, about Rodri's collaboration with Ilian Radic, who wrote the first of her Occam pieces for him, about verbal transmission of interpreters' knowledge, about the gray area between improvisation and composition, and about diving into a composer's world and inhabiting it with one's own ideas and sounds. We hope you enjoy listening. So when Darmstadt
1: Contacted me and I was immediately thinking of you because um, I've been following you, of course, and for a long time and a big, been a big fan of your what oh, you do. Thank you and known about you, of course, for a long time, but we never really had the time to chat. Actually, I was thinking about because, uh, yeah, I mean, already when I was started studying with Sharonet, she mentioned you, and uh, that's where I heard from I heard about you first, and uh, and of course we've met just briefly here in Berlin when I brought you my harp and and then. In Darmstadt, but never really had the time to chat and and they also told me asked me to have some sort of theme about the about the podcast because the podcasts are all based on on certain theme and I was thinking of this theme of collaboration or mm. cooperation um just basically uh, since it's a actually a thing that uh I believe a lot in and I'm very occupied with um just uh in my work and what I try to do and uh, how I work and what how I think mm-hmm. of music actually and it seems to me that you have a similar similar approach, and uh, you of course collaborated with so many fantastic composers and and musicians so and I was actually just uh, reading a little bit on your website and i I saw this really nice interview with you from two thousand and eight with Corwell uh, Owen, and you were mentioning something that really struck a chord with me and it was improvisation is one of the those rare forms that of music or art that is intensely co- collaborative, and I that was one thing that I really mm. took away from that and uh, so I just wanted to ask you a little bit about yeah your work and uh, how you how you see collaboration. Cool. Well,
2: thank you well thank you for asking me yeah this is exciting i've been following your work for a long time as well since uh, since Sean had told oh. <laughs> told me about you so <laughs> yeah so uh, yeah mutual
1: yeah yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah so where to start really um yeah that that was a really nice interview um that by godwell because he um he's a musician and he's a sound engineer and he's engaged with music on a sort of deep deep level so I really enjoyed enjoyed his questions yeah. and um, that interview in particular. So you could get in sort of in, into things a bit deeper than, um, you know, the usual surface questions. Um, yeah, exactly. but the, yeah, collaborating is, is the, the main life force for me, I think. Um, and although I've been doing a lot of solo work, maybe over the last 10 years, um, it's totally informed by the collaborations that I've, had in the past than the ones that I'm still, you know, um, occupied with. Um, so it kind of feeds into the Mm -hmm. solo work as well, but, um, I just see it as such a invigorating process, I suppose. And, um, you know, it's not always easy. Um, it doesn't, it doesn't often, you know, just instantly gel, but, um, but, but, um, I guess a lot of that comes down to, experience of um choosing your collaborators and maybe when i was younger when i right. was younger i was would sort of um i suppose more in the t- contemporary classical um sphere i would be more sort of um accepting yeah. of just um what somebody would tell me if you know if they were a composer or something i i was kind of had this sort of entrenched um <laughs> hierarchy sort of um sort <laughs> uh-huh. of uh ingrained in my uh Outlook, but um, the older I get, it's it's more now really. If I if I like somebody or not, and um, and I can often sort of whiff. I can smell a whiff of like a, a career composer that just wants to do something for their own ego, and I and that really puts me off intensely. So I run away. And I run gone. really quickly. <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah, it's often difficult to 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 balance, mm. no? This uh, this will of like you you want to collaborate, but you also, yeah, to you have to have a lot of trust, I guess, in yes, each other. Yes, yeah, right?
2: absolutely, and a, a sort of mutual giving as well. So you're both um, coming to the the table with uh, stuff. It's not just one sided. And then I suppose the older I get, I, I guess I've yeah. sorted people out that I. Um, you know, admire I suppose. So um I already have fallen in love with their sort of approach or sound world or um worldview, so that in a way mm-hmm. unoff often I'm sort of disappointed or, you know, somehow the their character comes through in the their music or the way of doing things. Um so it's an often that yeah. it's different, you know, in their personality, if you know what I mean?
1: Yeah. And how, how do you go about like finding new people to collaborate with? Do you, do you seek people out or or hear something nice on Bandcamp or or is it more like like friends like like people you like then you you start to do something?
2: I think I did a, I had sort of a specific agenda. I can I guess it must have been about 15 years ago now. I really wanted to, it was sort of like guerrilla warfare in a way. I wanted to invigorate the harp repertoire with interesting pieces, mm-hmm. with pieces that I would have gone, wow, you know, I can't believe these exist when I was a, at a young age, yeah. instead of having to play La Source or something for the hundredth time. Exactly. So um, so it was kind of starting, um, kind of avoiding what I call career c- composers <laughs> um, mm-hmm. and starting with um, mm-hmm. artists that in the 60s that were sort of working with interdisciplinary um, you know, movement, sound, art, throwing it all up. So like the Fluxus movement, the Scratch Orchestra. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started my investigations there, I suppose, and Christian Wolf, you know, coming from the, the Cage School. Yeah. So I asked Fluxus artists to write me pieces, and I asked Scratch Orchestra artists to write me pieces. And that was the kind of the beginning, so starting in the 60s, basically. Because often that's kind yeah. of where, when I started playing contemporary music, that's where music tailed off for the harp. <laughs> you know, people kind yeah. of shut down. They think True. they do the odd, you know, Takamitsu, Tontantiet, uh what else was around at the time? Donatoni and berio uh, Maybe those were the only things yeah. that were in the current you know, vocabulary. So um so starting there yeah. with the sixties, stuff that would have been ignored, perhaps you know, James Tenney and yeah. and then yeah. asking um colleagues, so improvisers asking visual artists, um, just trying to get a different view on how to compose. Um, yeah, so that, that was it, essentially. Um, and I mm. guess there are about 50 pieces now, solo pieces, and my hope was that other harpists would play them. It wouldn't just be me. And it's happening, you know, Jennifer Walsh, her piece has been played, I think, did one of your students? Yeah. yeah. And Catherine Kant's works have been played by the students in the Royal Northern College of Music. So these pieces are slowly um
1: Meyerhof we, we did last year in in Darmstadt. Oh as well. great,
2: yeah. So it's yeah, yeah, so they're kind of they're they're coming into the sort of harp repertoire and um Absolutely and a lot of the students when when I do work with students, like in the Royal Northern, they're really excited by these sort of graphic scores. They're challenged, but um They're terrified at first, but um, some of them just instantly get it and some of them grow to love it. And it's just a journey. And it's just one other aspect of their creative, um, you know, knowledge, isn't it? That they sort of learn to um, approach different kinds of scores. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, and you, I mean, so you're, you're talking now about like collaborations with all kinds of both artists and composers. And did you actually uh, start composing yourself at the, at the same time or did that come later for you?
2: I probably came earlier, I think. So as, as soon as I started improvising, um, we started working, I mean, I was playing with a group called the Chris Byrne Ensemble and they did a lot of, um, kind of pieces which were semi-orchestrational improvisation, some were um, a bit more specific or less specific. But, and then I was in a group called Ist with Simon Fell, who, who sadly died recently. Um, so we were working with uh, graphic scores and text pieces, Carl Berg's from Nielsen piece. Um, yeah, so right from an early, I was kind of interested in that sort of grey area between composition and improvisation and semi-composed, graphics, notation, text, scores. Um, And we would all write our own little pieces, I suppose. So um, it was just part of the thing. So we had a group, oh, you know, why don't you write a piece? So I wasn't coming from it as a composer. It was more necessity, Mm -hmm. really, as an improviser that was interested in just just seeing what could happen if we put a few sort of um, criteria down for our improvising. Um, so I've always done it, but uh, and and it's only now, like twenty years later, I look back and I've got a whole box full of these stuff, and I go, oh blimey, <laughs> um, that's a, that's kind of it looks it looks as if I've been doing it on purpose, but it's just a byproduct of of what I do, I think, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, but do you call yourself a composer or improviser or both or?
2: I think I'm I'm essentially an improviser, but I see improvisation as a compositional. Uh, tool, you yeah. know, it's a process, and it absolutely. So, um, if I want to be grand for applications, I'll say I'm a composer, <laughs> yeah, and sometimes okay. an artist, <laughs> but I'm an improviser and a harpist, really. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: well, whatever works, right?
2: I think it's a bit, it's a bit, um, it's a bit of a class thing as well. I think um, in the UK, anyway. So I do align myself yeah. with with an improviser because I think it's less um, privileged. <laughs> Yeah. Less privileged position sometimes. I mean, that's a gross oversimplification.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I get. The, I often get this question like, "Oh, so do you also compose?" And I have to say, I always get a little bit annoyed by it because I because it implies so. So, like when you answer, like, "No, I don't compose. I play." Oh, you only play. Mm. I see. Like, so it's it always like implies something like, "Oh, you only play other people's stuff." Mm. But somehow I I I look at it so differently. I really don't. Uh, yeah, like like you also say, I really don't see this hierarchy between, and I I enjoy so much to create uh, create the music with the, with composers and to to find ways to to figure out what they want and how to do that on the harp or, or experience or yeah how to realize basically ideas on the harp sometimes my own sometimes other people's mm. uh, anything that comes really
2: yeah I only became sort of aware of the sort of Put this character that's called a composer when, at university, when I was doing a master's in Huddersfield and all of a sudden you had composition students and they became extremely like, they were very serious and they took themselves extremely seriously and they were a, yeah. a, another, you know, a breed apart you know, they're good, good yeah. friends of mine though. I don't think they'd mind me saying that but, um
0: <laughs> and so I was like,
2: wow, what is that? And I think partly it was the education that was sort of fostering this environment that, um a composer, something apart. And um, yeah, right. that was really fascinating. I know harpists, yeah. we, we go into little um, bubbles and cliques. Um, oh, and singers singers yeah. do as well. But um, the composers were really a, an entity. And I think perhaps that is, yeah. I mean, sp- certainly in Huddersfield now has changed because, you know, you've got so many great um, people like um, Philip Thomas there who are teaching and breaking down all yeah. these, you know, different sort of criteria. And I think younger people generally um, from what I've experienced from students these days, are very open to, you know, things that they're not as fixed as maybe things were twenty years twenty years ago.
1: Absolutely, and I, I most of the time also have feel a lot of gratitude from people who who you know when you start to work with them and and try to, you know, influence mm. <laughs> things that uh, you you don't get any any kind of hostility or anything like that. It's just, uh, yeah, I think. People are really into that as mm, well.
2: Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, there's been a sea sea change, I think, for whatever reason. But um yeah, it's interesting. But um I think um it also it also one from a sort of improvising perspective, um if something becomes stuck in a way or you find yourself improvising yourself into like a cul de sac. Or things become rarefied so much. Collaborating with other people is such a great way of just snapping out of it or getting another worldview. Absolutely, um, and it's such a healthy thing. So the first piece that um, I asked was by the Fluxus artist Miko Shiomi mm-hmm. and she wrote this incredible piece. So it's up, it's up on the wall there. It's a text piece, okay? And it's um, I can t- send you a photocopy of it. Yeah. Um, but it's well, there are two pieces: wind music for harp and falling music for harp, and uh, the wind music asks you to go out and listen to the the wind, and then replicate the sort of sound on your on your harp. Mm-hmm. And I always had this sort of idea that new age sort of wind harps are sort of new age. You often see them in outside a harp festival or something, and they'd be really all yeah. <laughs> tuned into these beautiful Pythagorean sort of tunings and were lovely. But anyway, she this piece inspired me to go outside, and I took an electric harp out, and I had guitar strings on the harp and it was an electric harp and it just sounded like feedback it was incredible it was just so joyful and liberating and it just sort of blew me you know into a different sort of aesthetic sound world yeah. i suppose which i wouldn't have um had, exactly. had she not sort of written that piece so yeah so it can really um snap you out of <laughs> snap you out of yourself yeah
1: yeah i also really enjoyed the concert i heard in darmstadt uh, with the Work of Ellen Radik. Mm-hmm. Um, would you maybe tell me something about that collaboration?
2: Oh well, that that was an an, an intense concert. Yes. Um, oh, because, it was so
1: beautiful. I really loved it.
2: Well, it it was beautiful, but the chairs were really kind of uncomfortable and creaky. Yeah. And um, I think people, I think the audience felt it really difficult not not being able to move. And I think in that situation, it was a stunning, stunning um, space, and it was a stunning acoustic. But I think. For, and also, we for, for some reason, because of the acoustic, I think the pieces kind of grew. They became longer.
1: Okay, I see. <laughs> so,
2: so the concert was like, wow, really intense. And then, of course, people had to leave because they just couldn't um, couldn't sit. But anyway, by the end, you know, you had the the people who wanted to be there. Oh,
1: yeah. <laughs> and
2: were, were happy to um, sit through it. So it was kind of, it was a really... And I think her music often has that situation, um, you know, that because uh, it is demanding, but it's also it's so it can connect on such a deep level as well it's um yeah and I was just overjoyed working with Eliane because I'd kind of been listening to her music for forever yeah um in particular the trilogy of of uh Delamort and um Adnos and and these electronic pieces and I'd kind of phoned her up because um I don't know I was a bit I suppose a bit younger and a bit more sort of um (laughs) gung-ho and i and i and i had the audacity to phone her and um yeah anyway she was um she was in the middle of a rehearsal and she she sort of um was quite abrupt with me <laughs> so it it was um it wasn't it was um it wasn't easy okay and then anyway um, cuz i i saw in the wire she'd um, done this lovely interview and there was a picture of a one of her it it looked like a score and it said harp on it and I asked her, oh, had, had she done a graphic score? Because I'd be really interested to see it. And it wasn't a graphic score. It was just her. She'd been recording music and crete sort of sounds uh-huh. of the harp. And she'd been cutting the strings and recording that sound. Okay. And then using it for, for tape pieces. Um, so, no, no, I don't well, write. And I said, oh, would you write for acoustic? No, no, no. <laughs> you know. <laughs> so, um, it was a disaster first meeting. And then um, I was in Paris playing a solo and I saw her concert was on the same night okay and uh tom johnson put us in touch um and then I went round and had a cup of she invited me round for a cup of tea and I had a cup of tea and and then obviously because she used to play the harp and her son who who sadly died he, he used to play the harp really
1: i didn't know so this. i think the
2: harp has a really okay. s- it has a strong resonance re- really strong resonance for her and for one of the pieces in the trilogy of of uh, de La mort um there's a you can hear these little harmon- ha- kind of harp harmonics mm-hmm. there, which um she does in in the the piece for me as well so yeah, it was a really yeah really joyful sort of meeting and you know since then she luckily I was the first in the series of these Occam pieces yeah so um which then grew into a, an incredible you know incredible. <laughs> there are so many of them i've lost I've lost count okay. so um yeah, so that's yeah, and of course it's what's the, it's really difficult to talk so uh concisely about her you know work but what's really fascinating about it there is no score okay there there is um there's an image which she sort of kind of conjures up sometimes it's a fixed one but mainly it's like moving water possibly like a glacier on a mountain following the the path of this and she'll describe the color of the the lake that it the the water falls down to and all these sort of stuff so that's kind of the score really okay and um so, it's like an aid memoir perhaps um and yeah, and it's all verbal transmission, and we all work we all go to Paris or we all went to Paris to work with her on these pieces, and there's only only I know the piece, um, and I can transmit it to somebody if I want to or if, <laughs> if I think somebody you know, so it's really yeah. it's a bit like um. Because she's a Buddhist like and, a you know, it's a, like a disciple, it's a bit like a disciple, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, you can um, pass this knowledge on if, uh, yeah, or not. So it's it, kind of, it's a well, fascist, it's really it works on different, yeah, it's a different, so it was interesting because Helen Brachand is a fantastic harpist in Paris. She'd been so yeah. kind and lending. I would stay with her in her flat and we'd be rehearsing in, in her flat. Eliane would come to her flat and we'd be using her harp and she wanted me to um, teach her the piece and I was going... Oh, I want to record it first, um, you know, sort of this uh. thing, and then, then I we had this sudden idea. Well, Helen, you can ask Elian for a piece, which she did, and now she has um, some chamber pieces as well. So we have both got okay, a piece wonderful. each, which is really, a really lovely, great, great sort of. Um, oh, that's really good. Because I felt bad I, that I wasn't telling her the piece, <laughs> but also it was kind of <laughs> yeah. I'd only kind of got to know it, and I wanted to explore it a bit more before i sort of gave it away
1: (laughs) well fair enough i mean it's also your creation as well i would say
2: well it's an interesting you know it's there are all these different it throws up all these different questions about how pieces exist and um, collaborations and um, um, ethics about (laughs) about all these things so yeah
1: right that's actually a really good point yeah yeah exactly like I I was uh, mentioning to you when I was writing you an email I uh, I've been lately also doing quite some improvisation and uh, and recently I had this experience where I where I was improvising a piece by a composer who asked me to uh, yeah well he he asked me to take part in this project of his where mm. Where the piece is actually kind of improvised to a to a fixed score with with instructions and uh, and things like that, and I really enjoyed it, and it was a very lovely concert. And then I was talking to another uh, performer who is, who does a lot of improvisation as well, and and she was somehow asking about the piece and asking, yeah, how was it written and how is it, and I said, ah, oh, yeah, well, I improvised it, and and of course, you know, according to the fixed fixed things and. Uh, and then she ex- was expressing this kind of frustration a bit, like, yeah, well, it's a I I always get a little frustrated when, when the composer doesn't give you anything and it's all your all all your ideas and your sounds that come in. Mm. And uh I, I really don't agree at all. I, I just really enjoyed it and I, I really enjoyed diving into his world and, and trying to 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 figure out what what it is that he's looking for, and uh, mm. I really enjoy it when when something I suggest is is uh, is, uh, is is hitting the right right tone, let's say. Mm. Um, so what? Yeah, what do you think about this kind of ambiguity between?
2: Yes, it's fascinating. I think it's um. I I one thing I'm not is consistent, probably, and I'm probably okay. con- contra- <laughs> contradictory. So and on one hand i really love like these um flux some of the fluxus pieces are so open that um you yeah. could interpret them in so many different ways and i and and i find that sort of liberating and i find it really creative um you know i can put my kind of aesthetic into that sort of sound world and it's still their piece and it's still yeah, exactly. it, i wouldn't have done it if um, i hadn't approached that piece um, they wouldn't have had that realization if I hadn't done it kind of thing. So yeah, it's kind of really exactly. fascinating. And I've, I've done some open scores, which are so open, people just go, well, what's the point of that? And it's, it kind of does beg the question, what is the point? What is the point if it's so open, yeah. you could just have a, you know, a cup of tea in front of you and, <laughs> but I, right. I do think that, I think they do, it does frame things I mean, it depends on the piece, obviously, but um, a, a really yeah. open score does does frame things and um, can can if you approach it with mutual uh, sort of like a respect, and yeah. Um, yeah, it can be really interesting. But then then again, if there's um, a composer that will come up and expect me to play one of their pieces, and they it's I'm doing them a favour, and the piece <sighs> hasn't really engaged, as far as I can tell, engaged with. Improvisation, you know, or it's just something they're just doing, but they instantly think it's, you know, this this probably sounds familiar to a lot of pe- performers. Yeah. And
0: um,
2: then I, then I'll have an instant um, annoyance, and I'll go, well, I'm not bloody playing that.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, then so you just don't I'm work very with them again, selective.
2: I'm kind of I'm selective, yeah. and and the older I get, the more grumpy grumpy I get with.
1: <laughs> don't we all? Adam? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah it's funny it's a it's a funny line I guess. I also I mean I I've always been very generous with my time I, I think. I always really enjoyed meeting whoever like students and and composers and I mean uh, career composers and whoever yeah. I, I really yeah like to I really like to engage mostly mm. but of course I have also these situations where where people really like expect me to be on call like 24 7 to ask some questions that you know they could just look up on my website for example yes yeah Yeah. yeah. (laughs) and actually that was a really good move and i made this website and now when people contact me i just like send them the link to the page and i don't have to answer it's a fantastic i've been passing that on
2: to everybody i i know as well it's really good website oh thank you and uh, all the student work i've i do i that's the top of the list
1: I'm quoting you several times. Oh well, also. that's why I'm passing yeah, it, yeah, it on to know. people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> I've just I've just updated it. It was just uh, dropped by C- by the CBLS Academy. They didn't want to host it anymore. Oh so really? Just moved it to a new place. What? Yeah, that's that's I've, a, I've, I've, I've,
2: I've, it's up. That it's, was a gift, a research yeah, gift know. for them. What are they thinking?
1: Yeah, they they just didn't want to have it anymore. That's I don't know crazy. Why. But anyway, I put it on my own, on my own server now. So good, it's, good. Uh, it's up and running again. It was down for a bit, but now it was now it's back. But yeah, that has helped me a lot in, in dealing with this, you know, mm. <laughs> when you don't really, when you get the you know, the question for the 500 at this time, the same question about some pedal issues or something. Mm. But uh,
2: yeah. Oh, that's good news that you've, uh, yeah. It's a really important work that, 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 the two things that I sort of point to are the book that Helen and, um, do you know, the contemporary heart book that they right. edit, co-edited? That's yes, fantastic really on your your side. Those, those are the two Two main go-to places for, for people, I think.
1: Was the song Ankara Ton from Rodri's latest album Tail and Run? This album is recorded on a small harp that Rodri designed himself based on descriptions from old Welsh manuscripts. So may- maybe you can tell me a bit about it as well because I really enjoyed that as well. Oh, uh, it was so refreshing, really nice sounds of this harp. It's really amazing. It's, it's a horse drum, like I was reading. Yes, I'll could just, you tell me a bit about that?
2: I'll just go and get it so you can see it. Hold on. Okay, so I don't know if you can see.
1: Wow.
2: See this? So um, it's, yeah, I see it. Yeah. It's one solid wooden um, block of wood, and it's been scooped out, and okay. then it's got um, horse skin on on the front over it, and it's been sewn at the back. So um there's a, there's a strip a wooden strip running underneath here to sort of strengthen it. And there are two sound holes because okay. I couldn't get the string this you can only get the string in through the sound holes to pull them out. And then it's oh, got horse uh, hair and then horse bone pegs. Yeah. So I kind of yeah, I went I was kind of fascinated Whoa. by this instrument as a as a young child really because I'd heard about these horsehair harps which were men- mentioned in in welsh harp history books and um it was in these ancient laws howell laws uh, which um 13th 14th centuries when they were written down but they they come from a period before that and they talk about the horsehair the harp and throughout the sort of 15th 16th century lots of poetry that kind of describe this sort of wooden um scooped out wooden block of wood and the how it looks and Nothing specific, no amount of strings and the dimensions, but a lot of poetic references to the color of the the skin and the bone and and the black horse hair and all, all this stuff. And then I kind of was trying to find when the last one existed in Wales, and I think that was about two hundred years ago, and a, and nobody knows really what they look like and what what um, what they sounded like in, in a way. And I think historical harp makers although I've been interested in it, like to copy existing things, don't they? So they they yeah. this was kind of a too much of a jump for them because they, they um would have to speculate too much about various things. So it's kind of an experimental So, that,
1: so there are no pictures or anything of it or
2: um, there's one picture that looks possibly as if it could be one, um in Winchkamabe. It looks as if it's got this sort of black darker mm-hmm. sort of soundboard. But um yeah, no real, really. So, so I, do, I just went and built one based on the descriptions, I suppose. So, it's my it's my leather harp. It's my ha- you know horsehair harp. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I did a short. I did a small amount yeah. of strings because I thought I wanted to be able to fit it in the airplane so I could travel with it. Oh yeah. Instead of so I did Good a small thought. one, but now that was completely pointless, wasn't it? Because uh, <laughs> I'm not <laughs> <Yes>. going to be. <laughs> So um, <laughs> next, I would really like to build uh, one with 25 strings, a bigger one. Yeah. And this was a kind of a prototype in a way, um, because the the, the oldest European... Do you know the oldest surviving harp music from Europe was from North Wales? It's called the Robert Apu Manuscript. And it's written in this Good. incredible tablature. It's it's And it's taken wow. many, many, many years for people to decipher what what it actually is and there are two schools of thoughts about um how it should sort of sound and it they're both pretty convincing really and um so i, I okay. was kind of looking into that a little bit learning a little bit of those mm-hmm. techniques um i'll show it to you because it's it's stunning yeah do it yep. so the music looks like that wow Really incredible. So
1: is it like a... These are fingering tablaturas or...
2: Yeah, well, this kind of breaks down how things are. So basically, uh, there's a Work. there's one note, black uh-huh. note, that points up one way is the thumb. One note that points to the other way is the second finger. And then the, when they point down to the left and right, third and four, the white notes are sustained notes and the black notes are damped. So... It's, um, okay. yeah, it's just, I mean, there's, there's more to it than that, but, uh, it's a, it's an incredible, um, thing. So I was just looking at that. I was also going to, I was doing a little intervention to my local folk, um, session because, um, I don't know, I used to go to folk sessions when I was young, young, but kind of got thrown out because I was, you know, playing a blues note or something or playing the wrong, you know, the wrong chord. Um, which was Well hang
1: on a second, what are folk sessions?
2: Um they went they're like um if you you go to a pub and then there'll be a fiddle player, a, you know, penny whistle and um uh, harp right. and okay. yeah, so like a like like, a like, like or, in a movie. Yeah, so um <laughs> these ha- these happen in Wales and Ireland and, and Scotland. So <laughs> so um so I went to the local one here and I, it was like an intervention to see if I could go in and just improvise and not know any any of the melodies. <laughs> So um, uh, you got kicked out? <laughs> uh, no, well, no, they were they were a bit resistant at first because they'd heard that I set fire to a harp, um, but um, <laughs> I don't know how they found Banned out. Banned for it's,
1: life, <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> but um, it was really nice, and then in the end, I really some of these melodies really got into my head, and I really started enjoying, you know, learning them. Actually, so um, yeah. so it was kind of a way of reconnecting with that sort of this ancient medieval um, harp tradition in Wales. This um, imagined harp that um, I've kind of reconstructed, and also some sort of um, bringing some elements of folk music, which I probably le- you know I learnt as a child. A lot of these Welsh folk melodies, and but the, the the thing for me was really above all that was to find a way of improvising on a twelve-strung harp that you can't. So, it's not chromatic, so you you know you're stuck with with these things. So in in the amazing thing in this book. Um, Is there's a page of what really looks to me like scordatura, so alternative tunings for um, for the harp. So let's see if there's a gun. So you can see C D F G A B C D going up on the one on the top, perhaps. Yeah. And then different different alternative tunings. Right. So I tuned the harp into these, and it just really the, the whole harp would resonate really amazingly yeah. it was really fantastic so i was kind of um i was blown away really
1: but you're improvising right on the record you're not playing traditional tunes right no I mean,
2: no so it's t- completely improvised so so that was more my sort of uh practice i suppose before going into the studio so i i learned some of these a yeah. melodies i tuned the harp into these tunings i soaked myself yeah. in some sort of folk uh, tradition and then i went and just improvised <laughs> Um, without preparing anything or thinking of any melodies or rhythms or anything beforehand, so um, yeah, that's all. That's the the, the, the only thing that I have set was these tunings. So they were like eight or nine different harp str- tunings for the strings. So, yeah, some of them are wild. Some are you know you're tuning double notes, notes next to each other, the same note. Some you tune up and down, and you know it's really really fascinating. Yeah, it so you sounds, get these. Sounds like that. Yeah.
1: It really reminds me of some sort of Egyptian harp music or something like that you know yeah. It really sounds great. I also really enjoyed just to to hear the strings you mm. know and you how you how much you get out of just these couple of strings they're obviously quite few and you just manage to get so many different uh, different uh, textures and tones and uh, and just exciting exciting things out of it. I really enjoyed that.
2: Yeah, what what's really nice is like I think with those harps the top and the bottom note are only there really as a sort of protecting. <laughs> they, they're not there to sound in a way; they're there to re- resonate to okay. to help the inner sound. So, uh-huh. I wasn't really playing the top and bottom notes that much, and I was kind of av- avoiding maybe the top four because they they didn't sound that satisfying. So, so it was even yeah. like eight or nine strings I was playing. Even less.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Gosh. So yeah. that was
2: a, that was the limitation. That was the the real limitation and improvising with a limitation like that was the real thing i suppose the exciting bit
1: if it feels like a bit of a circle you've gone then from from being from working with like heavily prepared amplified harps all kinds of uh accessories until until to going to absolutely really pure the purest form of a harp let's say like really uh, it's a it's a very nice circle you've made there
2: yeah, well, I was um, there was a challenge of how to how to incorporate uh, standard technique in in a way into my playing again. It was something I was trying to work yeah. on, and um, I was inspired a lot by the destruction in art symposium artists from from the sixties that were working with destruction in uh, in art, and um, mm-hmm. so there was a piece called "Wound Response," an album I did called "Wound Response," where. I'm over plucking the, uh, the like things we're taught not to do. So I'm really over plucking all the notes all the time
1: uh-huh.
2: <laughs> <Great>. <laughs> until until the string the strings start snapping. Okay. And then sometimes I'm left with like three or four strings, and it's it becomes a real real challenge to make something because obviously they've gone out of tune as well.
1: Yeah.
2: And it's 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 sometimes it's one in like in performance. You know those are our great biggest fears isn't it you know like a string snapping and mm-hmm. something going out of tune but it was kind of finding a way of of accepting that and working with it and maybe trying to yeah
1: <laughs> your poor harp
2: <laughs> yeah my yeah it was very expensive on strings to be honest I can imagine. <laughs> i'm, I'm gonna have to stop doing that performance soon
1: <laughs> yeah what about the cut one the where you cut all the harp strings I mean that one
2: That was well Was also I was amazed cuz I, I think it quite radical It must have been a harp um fest, congress or harp something and I met the the woman from Bo Brand, the harp strings maker and we really got on cuz um she kind of hated she I didn't want to be there I didn't want to be there and <laughs> uh, we we had this great chat and then um so then, when I came up with this idea of cutting all the strings and you know burning the, the strings, um, I contacted her and said, "Oh, I'm going to do this. Would you kind of sponsor sponsor it?" So she sent me a full set of strings, oh,
1: perfect. which was you know
2: because it's su- such an expensive yes. <laughs> thing to do. So I've only done it once, and uh, they are kindly sponsored by Bow Brand. So I'll, I'm in uh, yeah in their debt forever. Yeah, but it was it was very satisfying. It was you, you do I I broke all the strings, you know. Broke all the strings. I did a score, so it lasted over five hours or something.
1: Yeah.
2: And then, and I restrung it. So it, you know, I went down the harp, took everything out and then put everything back up again. So it was kind of really, it was a destructive and creative uh, (laughs) thing. And of course the sound, you know, when you're pulling the bass notes out of the, it's so fantastic, that sound.
1: It's incredible. Um, Yeah.
2: Yeah. And people don't get to hear that usually if, if you're not a harpist, so. No. There were extra bits to the the piece that were interesting.
1: <laughs> so, uh, have you now made peace with your with the harp? Have you? Have you? Uh, do you play more normally, or are you uh, away from this destruction Or
2: yeah, well, I've always I've always I've carried on the the playing as well, and I see the destruction and creative just the same side of the same coin. Really, it's the same. Yeah. I find destruction quite creative. <laughs>
1: I read somewhere that you were having a in an interview, another one that you were having a kind of a public row with your instrument for a while there.
2: Oh, right, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I don't think it's the instrument. If if it's anything, it's the it's the socio stuff around it. Yeah, it's the it's the you know the harp world, the conservative aspects of of the harp world. It's the conservative nature of classical music. It's that's what I'm having an argument with, really, not not the instrument. The poor instrument is. A delightful
0: thing. It's, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah.